Do you get it? I don't get it. Great. listening to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performance and arts in Edmonton. Um, Paul is uh, having his birthday today, so we gave him the day off. Um, and earlier this week, I had the great fortune of interviewing Sam Jeffrey, the person behind the Yeg Theater Stat spreadsheet that has been um, publicly shared and is available. Um, it's been going on since October of last year. And uh, yeah, we had a really interesting chat about it. And um, I think I will just let you listen to that right now. Samantha Jeffrey, how about you introduce yourself? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about who you are. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Samantha Jeffrey, Sam, if you aren't emailing me generally. <laughs> um, and I'm an Edmonton born and bred um, actor, theater artist, um, fight director, intimacy nerd. Um, and I decided to start tracking statistics on theater because if you ask my partner, I'm obsessed with statistics. Um, I just think they're really cool. They're really like... Uh, good way to look at stuff without having all of these inherent biases that we all have coming out. I would comment that upon looking at the Yeg Theater stats, the, the initial spreadsheet that everyone kind of mm -hmm. lands on first, it is really just straight numbers. There's no commentary. There's no kind of like weighing of, of what it is. Um, but how about to start off, mm -hmm. what is this spreadsheet that we're talking about? <laughs> how, did, how did this come about? Yeah. Uh, so... I've been, I graduated from theater school in 2013, and I've been working uh, professionally in Edmonton and Alberta, mostly Edmonton, um, since then. And I just was starting to notice, as I'm sure every single actor does, uh, that it was hard to get jobs. Um, so part of that was I wanted to see how many jobs were actually out there. Um, just like, is this a starting out kind of thing, or is there just not jobs? Um, because if there's no jobs, then maybe moving would be an option. Uh, so I started looking for these statistics, and I couldn't find them anywhere. And I was like, okay, surely someone must have done some sort of breakdown of, of Edmonton theater, like at least like just the actors or the directors or something, right? You would think, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. Um, and I just couldn't find anything. Um, there's a little bit done on playwrights mm -hmm. by... Um, I'm going to forget the, the... It's the big Canadian um, w equity in theatre, I think. Yeah, is Rebecca Burton. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're tracking playwrights, but across all of Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just started thinking, well, you know, if they don't exist already, and I'm trying to see as much theatre as I can, maybe I can just start, you know, keeping little records. So initially I was just thinking, I'll just keep track of actors, directors, and playwrights. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Uh, and as soon as I started posting that, of course, people were like, well, what about stage managers? You can't leave stage managers out. And I was like, yeah, of course. Of mm -hmm. course you can't leave stage managers out. And then someone was like, well, what about the designers? You can't. And I was like, yeah, of course. Of course you can't leave the designers out either. Mm -hmm. And it just ballooned. <laughs> <laughs> it just went crazy from there. Yeah. Um, so how did you start compiling the information? Is it mostly you're seeking this stuff out yourself? Or do people submit to you? Um, right now, it's mostly me seeking stuff out. Uh, I get a lot of information from websites, uh, playbills, um, 
Facebook events where they've posted like bios. Bios are a great source because if people usually write them themselves and they'll tend to use their own pronouns in them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I found that really, really helpful. Um, and occasionally I'll have to reach out to a company and be like, hey, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Would you mind sending me a breakdown of this show? And in general, like it, people are great with getting back to me with that information. Yeah. And and so um, essentially what, what you're doing is you're um, compiling the statistics on, on the genders of folks who are involved in shows. Yes. Uh, so male, female and non-binary as well. Mm -hmm. um, you're also doing what I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it kind of goes a little bit beyond what the um, equity and theater uh, stats have done before is that you're also tracking things by the Bechdel test and the Macomori test. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which, I, which is I not found easy. Wonderful. <laughs> well, it's very hard unless you really see the whole show. And even um, then, you'd be surprised. You get to the end and you're like, wait, did they have a conversation about something other than a man? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> you really have to keep track. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, for the benefit of our listeners who may not know um, mm. what either of those things are, what are the Bechdel and Macomori tests? Yeah. Uh, God, I hope I can remember now. So the Bechdel test is kind of the one that is a bit more well known. Um, started with film, I believe. And the idea was that you pass the Bechdel test, you just have to have three things in your film, and you'd think that they would be easy. So you have to have more than one woman. Those two women have to have names. <laughs> and they have to talk to each other about something that's not a man. Yes. <laughs> and if you, if you do that, you pass the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of films tend to not pass it. Amazingly <laughs> surprising when the test, I, I remember when the test first came out, just thinking about it. And like racking my brain, kind of like, oh my gosh, have I, when was the last time I saw a scene with two women in it where mm -hmm. they weren't talking about something involved, you know, uh -huh. like a man or, or getting a man or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and what is the Mako Mori test? I'm not as familiar with that one. Uh, I think it might be Mako. Mako Mori. It's based on a movie that I haven't seen, mm -hmm. um, but uh, possibly Pacific Rim. I'm, don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> but so the Bechdel test, you have to have two women. Which in film makes more sense, but in theater doesn't always, because in theater you'll get sometimes one-handers, mm -hmm. or uh, there's only two people in it and one of them's a woman, but that doesn't mean that the story isn't about the woman um, or the non-binary person. Um, so the Mako Mori test basically just means that the show or the film or whatever it is, um, is centered around a female character whose story does not involve supporting a man. Uh, so it's fine if other people support her or if she talks to other people. It's just like she's the central character and like her point in life is not to support a man. <laughs> okay, not to serve the male yeah. character. All right. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, that's uh, – and have you found any – I mean, in particular to those two tests, have you found any sort of like really standout things that are um, – that are, I guess, kind of um, obvious. I like. I mean, I like most of the musicals. I think that would come through would totally fail both of these tests, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they're written by Disney. Or <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I have a really because it's just me mostly. I mean, mostly. Uh, yeah, theater sets is a hundred percent just me. Mm -hmm. Um. So I do have a hard time. Um. Just just keeping track of these things, especially since I don't have access to scripts for the vast majority of the shows. Um, and sometimes it surprises me what passes and what doesn't. So sometimes a show that I'll be like, you know what, I don't think that this will. And I'll watch it and be like, oh, it does. Mm. And then vice versa, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a show about like powerful women. This is great. And then for some reason, it just fails the Bechdel test. Totally. And you're like, huh, weird. OK. Oh, <laughs> um, can you think of a specific show where that might have happened this oh, last season? Oh, God. <laughs> um, 
uh, I think Hades Town might have failed. Oh yeah, Hades Town I think totally failed. Which I mean, like it was in a great hindsight. Show, but, like yeah. you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's mostly about a, a man and a woman who are in love, and Persephone doesn't really talk except about that <laughs> to them. Yeah. Uh, so, but I remember just being like, oh, there's such powerful women in it, and it's like, well, okay. Yeah. I'm like, do they have, they don't have a scene together where they're not talking about the male characters. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll have ones that fail for strange reasons, like Dead Center of Town um, just has a lot of uh, uh, women on their own or women with just men because it's a lot of vignettes. Right. Uh, so technically, I think Dead Center of Town this year failed the Bechdel test, but passed the Mako Mori test. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I, I, let's dive into some of these stats a little bit. Yeah. Let's um, do it. What were some of the trends that you started noticing um, just like initially putting all these things together? You've been releasing stats as you compile them monthly. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of end of season now. We're in summer, mm-hmm. um, even though there's, I see you've started your 2018 19 yeah, list course. already because there yeah. are companies in production now. Yeah. Um, but what were some some of the things you learned in your initial sort of season starting this out? Uh, I would say the first thing I learned was was really to to step away from that um, uh, editorializing, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I know isn't quite the question. Oh, it's but. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think the first time I did it, um, Teatro uh, finishes their season very, very early because they, they do it all through summer and then they're done basically before anyone else starts. Uh, So they were the first season summaries that I put out. And I remember just posting. I was excited. It was my first thing that I was going to post. And I was like, da-da-da. And um, did like something around 51 or something. Yeah, they have exactly 50% um, female non-binary actors in their shows. And I think I posted that and then the word great. (laughs) And <laughs> just great or something like that and I, I just learned from that to never ever do that ever again um, mm-hmm. just because that just suddenly invites things from both sides um, and I really want the questioning of numbers to come not from anything that I've decided is important about them I just want people to see the numbers and then start discussions without me being like this is what we're talking about now right. and it's good or bad or you know how to how to weight it yeah. just let the number stand um, for itself there yeah yeah okay were there any like big surprises that you found uh, collecting these? I would say um, probably how much the large shows tended to skew the numbers. Um, Just because if you're, I mean, I'm not a math whiz by any means. Um, So as soon as you start adding up numbers, if you have a bunch of smaller shows that are majority men, and then you get a lot of larger shows that are about 50-50 or have more women in them, Technically, you're still looking at more women with jobs, but what's the actual ratio of shows that we're seeing in Edmonton with women on stage? Uh, maybe it's just that we're seeing a lot of big shows that have 50-50 casts mm-hmm. or slightly more women in it. And that maybe that means that a lot of the shows that we're seeing actually don't have a lot of women in them. They just have smaller casts. So numbers are, are a weird sort of... Um, they have a weird sort of uh, way of 
making everything look different yeah. when you combine mm-hmm. them, uh, which is why I thought it was really important to break everything down by theater company and not just a general, like, here's how Edmonton is doing in general. Right, right. So, yeah, so um, you've got the breakdown by company and mm-hmm. breakdown by specific show as well. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you're you're looking at musical directors, fight choreographers, everyone on the creative team as mm-hmm. well, um, as well as directors, actors. Um, yeah. I was curious about the stage management one because um, in my experience so many stage managers are women yes Um, and it's maybe one I I don't know what the end total ended up being for that one I I don't think I've actually added that one up yet Um, Mm. some of them are more daunting to add up than others Mm -hmm. so I I haven't actually done season summaries for um, designers uh, basically anyone who's not actor, playwright, director, um, but it's definitely on the docket. Although I will tell you, just looking at the numbers, it's mostly women for stage managers. One of the only categories that's really like yeah. that. Um, yeah. And so um, what were some of the other categories that sort of stuck out to you in the way they shook down? Hmm. Um, I would say fight director for me, uh, just because I am one. Right. Um, and I know so many amazing female fight directors in Edmonton that... Uh, at the end, when I started adding stuff up, I was like, hang on, I think there's only one female fight director that got work this year, and I think it was me. <laughs> um, and it was for a very small amount of fighting. It was in Twelfth Night, which was a show I was a part of. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe that all of these talented women that I, I knew hadn't gotten any jobs with professional theaters this year. Yeah. I found that really shocking. That's interesting. Um, well, I want to talk about the Sterlings a little bit more, but on this mm. sort of same fight director category, mm-hmm. um, they lump fight director and choreography into the same category in the Sterlings. They do. And it won- <laughs> and for Silver Arrow, the fight director won. Yeah. Um, although you would think it was kind of encompassing choreography as well. And I know that, you know, Annie Dugan of Firefly Theater, um, there, was, there was other choreography involved in that show. Mm-hmm. So to see it go to, um, you know, the male fight director, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have bias on that, too, because I, I know Jono uh, quite mm-hmm. well. He actually um, has choreographed me a number of times, and I think he's absolutely brilliant. Like, he's such a lovely guy. Um, so it's just unfortunate that, uh, you know, it just shakes out that it tends to be so many men that even when a, a guy who's who's brilliant, who's wonderful at what he does, who, like, deserves something, and it's just, you know, it's just, but it's just one more. It's <laughs> just that one thing. Like, I love you, and I'm so happy that you're yeah. getting accolades. Maybe next year it can be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> the one who was doing, who was teaching aerials and trying to fight at the same time. Although those fights, those fights were amazing. That was some of the best fight work I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another show this year that had other, I mean, I, I have my own hangups about the choreography award for the Sterlings because it never acknowledges dance. Mm, um, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> uh, it, all, it usually only acknowledges um, stuff that happens in a musical or fight direction. Huh. <laughs> so, you know, the professional dance companies in right. Edmonton never get on the Sterling radar. But that's just my own peeve. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the Sterlings a little bit. Because mm-hmm. you also did a stats breakdown on the Sterlings winners. I did do the that. nominees and winners. So what were some of your um, observations there? Um, I think adding up the numbers, the... The thing was that it it really does matter how many women get nominated, because if you look at... Uh, so I added up the nominees, and I was like, okay, so there's 24 out of 64 people who were nominated for Sterlings that were non-gender segregated, uh, so not including Best Actor, Best Actress, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so 24 out of 64, which is 38%. 
Um, so I was really curious how the winners were going to shake out. Mm-hmm if it was going to be majority men or not. Um, And it ended up being the exact same. It was also 38% winners, which is 5 out of 13. Um, So it really does matter how many people are being nominated. And then if you start looking at um, the statistics from the whole season, Mm -hmm. which is uh, for playwrights and directors, which is a lot of those awards, they sit around 34%, 39% women and non-binary people in those roles. Representation, okay. Yeah, Yeah. so it's Mm. it's kind of that same percentage all the way through. So if that's how many people are getting jobs, that's how many people are going to get nominated, that's how many people are going to get awards. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were some of the award categories, of course, you know, yeah, taking out um, female actor and female actor, um, female actor <laughs> and male actor categories. I, I was all, I was taught that we shouldn't use the word actress anymore because we don't use doctress. Right. Like, so um, for a female doctor. But in any case, um I, I thought it was kind of interesting that even in some of the awards that did have um, a lot of female representation, for example, the New Play Award mm. um, of five nominees, four were women, one was male, and the male walked away with the award. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, that show, Terry and the Dog, was super fantastic. It was It was heart-wrenching, yeah, absolutely. And it was, um, uh, it was, it was about, um, you know, Something that I thought it was interesting that the you know Pretty Goblins and Terry and the Dog happened in the same season mm-hmm. because it was very sort of two like completely opposite gendered takes on very similar issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Did you have any other thoughts on um, the the how the Sterlings shook out or? Uh... I mean, I think mostly for me, it was it was just how those numbers carried through. And I think that is important to think about just in terms of, I mean, if you get an award that makes you more likely to get grants, which in terms makes you, mm-hmm. in, or in terms, wow, in turn makes you more likely to make more work and get nominated for more things and get more awards. So it kind of makes this this cycle that I think if we start becoming aware of, we can start to, to shift perhaps. But if we're not aware of it in the first place, maybe we don't know what work there's to be done. Right, right. So. Okay, well, one of the other things that you're doing with this project is that you're also collecting stats on the improv scene, mm-hmm. um, specifically on Rapid Fire Theater. I don't know if you had plans to um, expand it to some of the other <laughs> improv that's happening. I can tell you why. <laughs> sure, you could. <laughs> uh, that's actually for a very good reason. Um, a couple of reasons, actually. One of which is that uh, Matt Sherman, the artistic director, when I first started publishing um, the stats, he just reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, I don't know if you're planning on doing improv but if you are um here are the shows that we're doing this year um and uh, if you want the breakdown on the ensemble that we have i can give you that and just was very like i will just give you my numbers you don't have to do any work um so i thought it was initially in with all of the professional theater Mm -hmm. um but just because of the nature of how improv works and uh it's got different roles in it there's obviously no playwrights yeah very different very different (laughs) shows every week too they have their different sort of um long-form troops that come through every week with chimprov so Mm -hmm. it's like always kind of shifting up yeah and they cast and they tend to have a really different uh, pay structure as well from from traditional theater because they aren't aren't equity, mm-hmm. um, except for technicians. I think it, it gets a bit tricky in so. that building. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I so I ended up separating it into its own and just kind of plugged in all the numbers that uh, Matt Sherman gave me for all of um, their stuff and kind of tried to to break down who was getting paid. 
I think. So kind of like um, the technical improvisers and the musicians who are on stage, I believe, are the ones that tend to get paid. And then as well as the um, the shows that they do, I believe, get paid as well. Mm-hmm. Um which is honestly something I should probably check in with Matt about. Hey, Matt, need to check in with you about this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of was talking to him about maybe my summer project was was reaching out to some other improv companies and, and putting them in there and seeing if that's something they're interested in. Because uh, why not um, add to my workload? Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> because you're you're doing this um, for free or by Patreon. I noticed. You're, uh, you're... Well, basically free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, like, well, yeah, this is all on your own time. No one is paying you to do this, no. like um, in terms of organization-wise or anything yeah. like oh, that. Oh, I wish. I mm. wish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Edmonton Arts Council, <laughs> here's a project for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so what were some of the things that you noticed about um, the improv stats in particular? Uh, just that it tends to, there, um, oof, oof, big question. It's changed a lot. Um, I, I used to be in rapid fire, um, and I know that they've, they've had a huge push towards, um, recognizing that, um, maybe they weren't such a balanced ensemble in the past. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like you can really recognize that in how the numbers shift going up the ranks. So you can really see that the, a lot of the incoming people or the people who are moving up, um, there's a lot more women, a lot more people of color, Mm -hmm. um, and it's a it's a shift that has to happen, I think, slowly, um, but is definitely happening. And you can start to see it in the numbers, which is really cool. Um, so a lot of their casts actually end up being, or a lot of the shows end up being about half um, women and men, and also a lot more non-binary performers than mm. in the general professional theater scene in Edmonton, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that is very cool. Have there been any other artistic directors that have reached out to you directly like that with their information? There's, uh, there's been a couple. It's not common. <laughs> uh, this is also something I've just been like doing on the internet, right? So mm. it, it really just depends on um, how often you're on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but the more it's, I've had a lot of people reach out or, or even just in person been like, hey, I've seen you doing this thing. Keep doing it. Um, I'm hoping people next year are going to reach out to me more. I have this really cool, it's a slight partnership with Theatre Alberta now where um, when they're asking theatre companies for their season to for the playbill, they have a little blurb about uh, theater, YEG theatre stats at the bottom along with my email just being, we encourage you to self-submit oh, uh, to this email address if you're interested in being included. So Very fingers cool. crossed that I don't have to do so much legwork next year. Yeah. Um, well, we'll ask, we'll, we'll get all the information right at the end there to make sure that people do know how to submit mm-hmm. um, and where to find all of this stuff. But what has the response been from the community so far? What kind of um, feedback are you getting on this? Uh, Generally, really, really positive. Um, I've had a lot of people, a lot of women, um, who are just really glad that I'm doing it, really glad that someone is collecting the numbers, that the numbers are out there. Um, I've had a couple of close friends um, who run theater companies, men and women, just being like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that these numbers exist because you can't argue with, with facts. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with numbers. You can't say like, oh, yeah, you know, there's women everywhere in the theater scene when <laughs> the numbers are like, well, you know, we're under 40 percent um, non-men for playwrights and directors and and a lot of other things so you know there's there's a lot of room to improve still yeah absolutely um so um in terms of you know long term um what are you hoping to see happen i guess from you know doing this work and from some accountability in the Mm -hmm. community i guess um i would say first and foremost just kind of um 
if people just want to like look at it and kind of recognize what's what's going on, um, I hope that artistic directors see it as a, a tool that they can use um, going forward and, and planning seasons and hiring people of, of just historically what they've done before and and maybe where they could improve. Um, for the project itself, uh, I kind of started with gender just because that was what was easiest for me. I'm I'm a cis white woman, <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, if I do gender by myself, I can I can do that. And I did end up getting a bit of help from this uh, wonderful company in Calgary called the Fairy Tales uh, Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, and they gave me some advice about using language for gender, and they were really great with that. Um, Again, being a woman, I, I didn't need a ton of advice for how to start this out. Uh, something I do want to start keeping track of is how many uh, people of color are also mm-hmm. in the in the theater scene. And uh, I mean, I think Calgary might have something in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, it might be a bit under wraps right now, but hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and just going forward, being able to track kind of everything that's going on. So, you know, gender, um, people of color, and expanding beyond Edmonton to seeing what it looks like in Alberta, what it looks like in all of Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, Because these numbers just don't exist, and I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was trying to find stuff and just kind of researching before we chatted today, and I think the last major study that I found was in 2006. Mm -hmm. um, And that was kind of all of Canada, again, focusing mostly on playwrights. Um, So, yeah, it it definitely... um, it's it's definitely time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I guess this is all happening around, you know, what happened last fall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we've seen a lot of changes, not only in our own theater community, but in the entertainment community in general mm-hmm. after the um, the Me Too storm uh, kicked up. Mm-hmm. So um, thinking about it, um, what you're doing in, in all that new light. Um, yeah. How how do you feel about <laughs> how things are represented? Do you feel that this is empowering? you a bit in within the scope of things or uh I mean it, it kind of feels good to to make a bit of noise to mm-hmm. be like hey this is this is actually the way things are um this isn't how I think things are this is this is how they are mm-hmm. um and to be able to to throw that as far and wide as I can and get other people to throw it as far as wide as they can and and maybe just maybe people can pay attention to it um, so yeah, that's like the fingers crossed kind of, <laughs> right. kind of version of it. I guess the one other thing that I'll point out that's really impressive is that, um, you know, you look at this spreadsheet and you realize how much theater we have going on. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty much mostly theater that you have in here. Um, I don't I don't think there's dance or other kind of stuff going on. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so what I kind of did. Um, I, I use the Sterling list as kind of a base. And then I, I go through um, Theater Alberta's playbill to add in additional stuff that's not Sterling eligible because uh, I believe repeat shows aren't. Sterling eligible, so like Christmas Carol's not, mm-hmm. although it's still a professional show that happens every year. Yeah. Um, so Edmonton Opera is included, but everything else is just a professional theater company. Unfortunately, I just don't have festivals in here yet, which is a big omission that I know a lot of people <laughs> wish were in here. I know it's like more than triple my work. Uh, so, well, I mean, they could hire they could hire someone to do this just for the fringe, <laughs> right? Um, and it would be it would be a full summer job. That would that would you be. Know? <laughs> 
wild. There's there's one big step grant for someone, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So that I mean that would be interesting too, right? Because mm-hmm. the fringe is um, so much of it is self produced. Mm-hmm. Um, you're wondering, um, you know, differences between um, the independent and smaller companies versus the very large companies, yeah. right? Um, if I were if I were thinking about it just in kind of my experience with theater companies, I'd be like, how many of these are A houses? Which how like what's the gender breakdown on an A house compared to like a G house? Oh, I gotta um, write that down. <laughs> I mean, that could be that. Well, if there's more work for you, <laughs> um, but that's something as well because I I mean it's it's a guess that I have that mm-hmm. that it's more um, diverse uh, gender wise on the smaller house scale, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I I I think it varies completely from company to company. Mm-hmm. Um, from from small companies to big companies, there were there were companies that only put on one show this year that were a hundred percent men, mm-hmm. and there were also companies that put on one show this year that were a hundred percent women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really just depends on what the individual company values, whether that's something that they're thinking about or not, too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, so how can people find um, this information and you and and how to submit and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, so I have a bunch of things now. I have a Facebook page, I have a website, and I have an email address. Um, I tend to tweet from my personal account right now, but, you know, you'll find it if you search hashtag Yeg Theater Stats on Twitter. Um, my Facebook page is Yeg Theater Stats or at Theater Stats, and that's theater with an R-E because, <laughs> you know, we're in Edmonton. <laughs> We're Canadian. We say here. <laughs> um, and then I believe my email address is theaterstatistics at gmail.com. Uh, if people want to reach out, I mean, you can also message me via my Facebook page or just me because it's all just me. You know, just, I'll yeah. get back to you. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah, well, thanks so much, Sam, for coming in and chatting about this. I'm interested to see now what the stats uh, show next year and if Mm. there's any percent change. It's really interesting. I mean, the Citadel Theatre, even just in announcing their um, season for next year already, you can see a massive shift in their directors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I believe Daryl Cloran is the... I'm going to say this, and it might be wrong. I believe he might be the only male director directing at the Citadel next year. Oh, wow. Oh, and maybe Wayne Paquette for, for Christmas Carol. But I, I think they made a big push of doing mostly female directors at the Citadel next year, which, um, you know, so that's change happening already. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it came from me. I maybe. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the credit for now. <laughs> I claim it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, we'll leave all of that information about your website and your email address on our show notes as well. Great. Um, again, thanks so much for coming in. And uh, if anything comes up over the season that we think is an interesting statistic, maybe mm-hmm. we'll maybe we'll have you back and chat some more. Amazing. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Okay, that was Sam Jeffrey again. Um, if you want to check out the Yegg Theater Stats spreadsheet and her website, uh, we will throw to all of that in the show notes. Um, without further ado, now it's time for our ads. On this month's episode of the Well Endowed Podcast, the team goes down by the river with a rafting adventure through the river valley with the Riverwatch Institute of Alberta. They also head down to Horlack Park to hear about the Freewell Shakespeare Festival's 30th anniversary and talk to Beth Dart and Elise Jason about On the Margin, a site-specific play also in the river valley that debuted at the Found Festival earlier this month. To listen, head to thewellendowedpodcast.com. 
The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is growing. Last week, we welcomed four more podcasts into the fold. The Best Wrestling Podcast explores WWE, wrestling nostalgia, the regional circuit, and more on a twice-weekly show. City of Champions is Shane Fennessy's weekly interview show with interesting people doing exceptional things in Edmonton. The Networker's Quest sees Matt and Colette Fitzgerald sharing their own entrepreneurial journey by interviewing leaders who have overcome adversity. And Repodcasting is a monthly show where hosts Lucia and Janet cast different actors in well-known Hollywood movies. Charmingly, in every show, they find a role for Tony Danza. Because somebody has to. To learn more about these and all of APN's shows, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right, everyone. So it is summertime. Um, there's not a ton happening on stages, um, but there is there are a few things. So we'll just remind you of them all now. The Free Will Shakespeare Festival, again, running Hamlet and Comedy of Errors, it goes until July 15th in Horlack Park. Uh, next week, Teatro La Quindicina opens The Importance of Being Earnest, which runs July 12th through 28th at the Varscona Theatre. Miss Caitlin's Grade 3's Prepare for the Inevitable by Elena Bellier of Tiny Bear Jaws uh, runs July 18th through 21st at Studio Theatre in the ATB Arts Barns. And if you feel like going on a road trip, um, we're going to go on a couple of this summer. Uh, Some of the things that we have planned... um, I think are going to be pretty fun. One of them uh, is the BAMP Center. So the BAMP Center summer programs feature opera, both indoor and out. Uh, we're going to catch the multi-Dora award-winning Orfei, which plays July 12th and 14th. And the op- another opera, Candide, also plays their outdoor amphitheater on July 15th. And um, in other news, Mercury Opera is gearing up for its one-night-only presentation of Carmen in the Badlands Amphitheater at Syndrumheller on August 4th. That's the same spot where the Passion Play runs every summer, and that's actually running until the end of July. If you wanted to check it out, you can go to um, Google the Badlands Amphitheater, and it has all of the the dates, which are not, uh, not every day. But they're running about three shows a week, so it's great. Um, in any case, thanks everyone for listening. I hope your summer is going well and, uh, yeah, go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here thinking, my love.